living bread. I was visiting recently with parents of a former student, and we were kind of reminiscing. They were reminiscing on their daughter's time here at NAU and how she would uh, come to the chapel during the week. She had a 30-minute adoration slot, but she would come other times and visit the chapel. She would come to daily mass when she could. And they reflected back, and they were like, she was so happy and so alive. Because to her, it was so obvious that God was with her. In our first reading from 1 Kings, God leads the prophet Elijah to the desert. And he's going to have him walk for 40 days and 40 nights. And at this point, Elijah's only gone one day, and he's done. He's exhausted. He's alone. He's very conscious of his sinfulness. Right? You know, we, we step into that darkness and we, and we just see our own brokenness, our shame, like in a mirror. And in that space, it says he's ready to die. Like, why keep living? And yet, God is with him. Is God just with us in certain moments? God's with us in every moment. So God is with him, and he has a plan to help strengthen him for the journey. And so the angel of God speaks and says, get up and eat, else the journey will be too long for you. And so Elijah then eats and drinks, and he's strengthened, he walks for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, where he will encounter the Lord in a more profound way. It's like God's mountain. And yet every step of the way, God's with him, providing for what he needs. Every one of us is on our own journey towards that ultimate destination, that encounter with God in heaven. And sometimes we can feel lost. We can feel, we're not sure which way to go. We, I, I can just feel a little stressed, anxious, alone. I can feel like no one around me knows what I'm going through. When I see where I have to go, it just feels overwhelming. Like, I don't have the resources to get there. And God forbid, but it happens at times when we can even say, you know what, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I should throw in the towel. Yet God is the one who has a plan to lead us to that better place. God is with us and wants to provide us with what we need for the journey. Because the lie is that I'm alone. That's what the the evil one wants me to feel, like I'm alone. Jesus gives us the answer. Jesus, even with us, is God's response that you are not alone. And not only are you not alone, but you are loved. You are pursued. And then I will be with you every step of the way. So how how does Jesus do that now? today, but with the Eucharist, our daily bread, our bread for the journey. And what's beautiful and what's important, and we can never think about it too much, is that this bread, this bread is living, alive. Jesus tells the Jewish people, your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And so what is it we believe? What is it Jesus is saying? If you look at the, the words in Greek, when he says, eat my flesh, he, he uses eat. There's two different words he, he uses both here and in the next few weeks as you read through John 6. One is phago, which means to eat, like specifically meat. So men, if you want to learn a word in Greek that's important, phago means to eat meat. Um, but the second word he uses is also is trogo, which means to chew, to gnaw. What, what's the point of that? It's Jesus is talking about eating. And what does he say to eat? The second Greek, the next Greek word is sarx, is flesh. He says, eat my flesh. I will give my flesh. And in the next few verses, he says, eat whoever eats my flesh. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have life within you. Sark's flesh means, it's, it's a little graphic, but it's, it's, it's the flesh like that's torn from the bone. Um, like if you were to skin an animal and then tear the flesh. But he's talking about, eat my flesh. And so Jesus is very clear He's talking about eating my flesh, and we're going to see the consequences of that in the next few weeks. What does that mean? It means as we as Catholics, we believe what Jesus is saying, that he's inviting us to eat his flesh. Now, but when I come here and I look, it sure looks like bread and wine, and there's something about me that's very grateful for that. But what do we believe? The Catechism says, in the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood, together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ is truly, really, and substantially contained. So those are the words we like as Catholics. That Christ is truly present. Christ is really present. That Christ is substantially present. I was to make a distinction that it's interesting to me, maybe not to you. I was talking to uh, some priests recently, and one of them's a sacramental, he has a degree in sacramental theology, and he was saying, what we don't say as Catholics is that Christ is, uh, his presence is a physical presence. I was like, well, hold on a second. He's, I, there's something right here physically in front of me. He goes, yes, yes, the Eucharist is there, but we don't say that Christ is physically present because then physics speaks to the measurable sciences. And what we have here is not measurable to the sciences. That it's a, it's a sacramental presence. Because in, in the concern, the church in the ninth century, there were people who stood up and said, they said, when you receive the Eucharist, don't chew it, because then you're like breaking Jesus' bones or something. It's like, ooh. Um, you know, if we believe that, we wouldn't do that. But it's like, no, no, no. And the church clarified, said, no, you're not, you're not breaking his bones. It's, it's his sacramental presence. But he is truly present. And so it's this, why I bring this up? Well, well Jesus brought it up. But, you know, like, it's a, well, I think we struggle with trying to understand, like, what is the Eucharist? Because, I don't, you know, somebody, somebody told me recently, they're like, you know, I was really struggling with the priest at my church. And I, I started, like, shopping for a new church. And I don't just mean another Catholic church. And it's like, oh, 
I was like, well, hold on a second. Now you, are you willing to, you're going to walk away from Jesus truly present? Like, and another guy said, um, Father, many a bad homily I have put up with to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. You know, like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. I might really fight with the personality of the priest. The priest is supposed to be bridges, but they can often be obstacles. And, um, but do I come to church because of the, the priest or the homily or what, or music? Well, never mind. So, or, or like, or, or because Jesus is here. That Jesus is guaranteed to be here. And, but the appearance is bread and wine. But it's kind of, remember, remember in chemistry class in high school, the teacher came out with two balls. And she goes, here's the balls. They looked exactly the same. And then we took one ball. And I'm like, well, they look like bouncy balls. And you took one ball and you bounced it. Like, this is great, yeah. And so the other one, let me thud. Two visually similar items but substantially, they were different. The bread and wine come forward as bread and wine. They're bread and wine. The appearance remains the same, but the substance during Mass, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God who has the ability to breathe life, breathes life into this ordinary matter, and it becomes Him. It ceases to be bread and wine, and it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ truly, really, and substantially present. Why is this important? Because this desert is not easy. Even, even in the last year and a half, right, that there's more contention and anxiety and stress and political uncertainty and things than ever before. People feeling disconnected. I mean, we didn't get to receive communion for a couple months. Some people much longer. And walking that way, walking through a desert alone, is hopeless. Every one of us, myself included, can feel overwhelmed and stressed. Even on my little vacation the other week, like I, I was praying in a house and not in the chapel, and I felt the difference. There's something about being with Christ present in the chapel. There's something about being with Christ Eucharist with me. That the whole world might be going to wherever it's going, but I know the God of salvation, the God of peace, the God of love, the God who holds me and is fighting for my good is with me. And he comes just as he, he comes 2,000 years ago in, in a human presence. And, and the people at the time misunderstood who he is. This is. Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. Like He looks one way, but they didn't see his divinity present. That we come here and we, it looks a certain way, but do we see Christ truly present under the appearance of food so that we can receive him in a way that we humans receive in order to have union with him, strengthening us until we can have ultimate union with him in heaven. And so what's the answer? The answer is, the answer that God has given us is his son, Jesus. No matter what the question is, no matter what the problem is, the answer is Jesus with you. The antidote, the medicine of immortality is one of the names of the Eucharist.
the medicine, that whatever the ailment, physical, <laughs> spiritually, mentally, whatever the ailment, the, the antidote is Jesus with me. Whether we, Jesus with us all the time, but I can come and sit with him in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. I can go 24 hours a day up on the hill. I'll give you the code. You know, you can come to daily mass. To everything. I'll close with the story. Two years ago, this young couple came to me. And I knew the guy because he had come here for his freshman, well, actually he came here for several years. I just saw him his freshman year. But anyways, so, and the girl I was just meeting, and they said, Father, um, we've been married, uh, we were married civilly, and we're thinking about getting married to the church. I was like, oh. I was like, that's great. I was like, and then they were talking more. I was like, well, hold on a second. How, what percent of getting married in the church is that you wanting it, and what percentage is it your parents wanting it? And he's like, well... And I said, uh, well, uh, how... In the last month or so, I mean, how many times have you been able to make it to Mass? Well, it's, it's been busy. And I said, that's okay, that's okay. But I just, if you're going to come and open yourself up to God's grace, you have to choose to open that. I, you have to choose this, or it's not going to work. You can't be dragged by the hand. God doesn't force himself. He waits to give himself. And so I said, how about this? This is the, the Father Matt method. I said, why don't you... Well, time out. Why don't you go to Mass for the next four weeks and then come back and we'll go from there. I, I want you to do this because you want to. And they said, okay. So I didn't hear from them for four months. And they came back. They reached out. They came back. And I said, how's it going? And they said, Father, we've been going to Mass every week and it's been awesome. They said, I actually, I look forward to going to Mass now. Because I went before because I felt guilty, like my parents want me to go. I feel like I should do it. He said, but we're going because for our family, what we want for us is to have God a part of it. Because we don't know what's going to come in our marriage, and so we need all the help we can get. And on Friday at 1 o'clock, I sacramentally married them and I felt so much joy and they were so they got to receive the body and blood of Christ for the first time in years Christ didn't make us to walk this journey alone without God we die Jesus comes to be with us so that we can truly live